This episode of The Startup Life is brought to you by People Ready. Startup Nation, you have a lot on your plate. The last thing you need to stress about is finding quality staff or the available work you need to be successful. Save time and headache by working with a trusted staffing partner that meets your everyday needs. People Ready is a national staffing provider with over 600 locations across the country and 30 plus years of experience serving people just like you. They specialize in a variety of industries including retail, manufacturing, logistics, general cleaning, hospitality, construction, and more. People Ready understands that you're busy and on the go. That's where their mobile app, JobStack, comes in. Use the app to place orders or find work 24-7 or wherever you are. And as social distancing continues to change the way we interact with customers, colleagues, and our everyday lives, JobStack provides the ability to find the right temporary workers or work you need while eliminating the amount of physical touch points needed in the staffing process. Visit PeopleReady.com forward slash Startup Life to learn more about how you can partner with PeopleReady. It's time to be about that life, the startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is the Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career-minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, the Startup Life is based here in Memphis, Tennessee. I love my state. I love my state for so many reasons. But one of the reasons I love uh, Tennessee is that, like, you may not know this or not, but we are a a booming uh, business state. We are a booming uh, state when it comes to entrepreneurship. And we have a great guest to kind of uh, help drive that point home even more. She is the founder and CEO of PopVox, an innovative advocacy platform that meshes legislative data with individual personal stories and sentiment. PopVox was the winner in the social media category in 2011's South by Southwest Biz Spark Accelerator startup competition. She was named a top 100 most creative people uh, in business by Fast Company in 2012. And she is also a board member of one of my favorite organizations, Launch Tennessee, and an advocate for entrepreneurship across the volunteer state. She is Marcy Harris. Marcy, how are you, ma'am? Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm good. Thanks, Dominic. How are you? I am okay. I am okay. I can't well, I can't complain, you know, taking it day by day with everything going on around us, but I can't complain. These are strange days. These, These are, are strange days. These are very strange days. Marcy, are you ready to pour some knowledge into Startup Nation today? Because we can surely use some help. <laughs> well, I'm very excited to talk to you. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, enough. Fair enough. I'll give you what I've got. <laughs> I hear that. I hear that. So, Marcy, if you would, just kind of share with us your origin story and your background a little bit. That question is always a fun one because you never know how far back to go. But I'll Fair say I'm, I'm originally from uh, Lexington, Tennessee. Okay. Uh, and, and grew up around there. I currently live in Silicon Valley uh, and have been out here for about 10 years. Gotcha. Uh, I, I got here by way of, of Congress, which is not a very uh, conventional path. I uh, <laughs> went to law school at the University of Memphis and ap actually after finishing up law school there, moved to D.C. to work. Uh, in Congress as a staffer right. and ended up getting very frustrated with the way that information flows to and through Congress and, and started a list of all the things I thought somebody should fix. And everybody I took it to told me, good luck with that. And, right. and it became the kind of idea that, that I'm sure a lot of your entrepreneurial listeners know well, that just kind of obsesses you and takes you over and decides it's going to tell you what to do, which is you're going to go 
uh, and start this pro- this project, whether you like it or not. Right. So I, I ended up uh, moving out to to California in 2010 to start what became Popbox uh, with a couple of great founder co-founders, gotcha. uh, and have been doing it ever since. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing all of that for sure. And you, you you talked about this, and I saw this in my prep that you know you said that you were uh, kind of a congressional staffer and stuff like that, and you worked for uh, Representative Pete Stark, if I if I uh, got that correct. That's right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just, if you will, because I know he was, you know, uh, uh, you know, in Congress and he was a businessman and stuff like that. Kind of talk about some of those lessons and ideals that you learned from him. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, Pete was was uh, a, a great member to work for. He had been in Congress longer than I'd been alive, so right. uh, he he and his staff were very very knowledgeable about the way things worked around there. And and, and especially his chief of staff became a wonderful mentor uh, for me, and and knew the, the the backstory on everything that had happened around the place for the the previous thirty or forty years, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I remember, you know. It's interesting for staffers because when you when you go to work for a member, it doesn't mean that you align completely on on every position that that member has. And I remember I was making a recommendation around a particular topic that was not completely aligned with the historic position of Mr. Stark. And the press secretary came up to me and he said, Marcy, P. Stark has been in Congress longer than you've been alive. Is this really the hill you want to die? (laughs) That's fine. I'll adjust my recommendation here. But um, working in Congress was was an absolute privilege. And, and, uh, you know, my work still is is very uh, intertwined with what happens there. Uh, it's not always the most technologically advanced place in the world. Gotcha. And, and um, that, that means there's a lot of opportunities to help folks do things better and more efficiently. Uh, unfortunately, the, the people who understand technology don't often understand Congress and, and quite frankly, vice versa. Right. So uh, that's uh, put me over the years in a position of kind of being an ambassador or a translator at the intersection of, of those two pieces of the, the Venn diagram. And it's it's a privilege to be able to to kind of sit there and try to help both sides understand each other better and, and, and do things uh, a little bit more uh, efficiently and, and effectively for the American people. For sure. For sure. Thank you. know, I'm, I'm glad you said that quick follow up if I could, because, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot of, you know, uh, let's just be honest, divisiveness kind of going on out there uh, and stuff like that. You know, when you, uh, you know, are, you know, uh, in your work in pop Fox and stuff like that, just kind of talk about the importance of being civil, even though we disagree <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, my my family background is is you know I have a very 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 conservative Republican father and a very 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 liberal Democratic mother and and you know they divorced when I was five and I would say I went back and forth from one house to the other arguing the opposite point of view right. <laughs> at the kitchen table <laughs> and that was very helpful for me because I I learned how to see different issues from. Uh, the opposite perspective and also how to disagree and still love the person you disagree with uh, and, and to see where they're coming from. Uh, You know, that, that's not necessarily the, the, the way everybody uh, gets introduced to these issues. And you're right. There's, there's so much acrimony right now. Um, At Popbox, we are, are simply a platform. So we're not editorializing anything at all. We also, you know, it's, it's a line that we, walk very carefully because sometimes a little explanation about a process or what's going on or what's happening is actually really necessary to help people understand even how they can engage 
uh, but we're we're really really careful to uh, be very neutral and to to work with people of, of any political persuasion or or chamber or uh, a geographic area. Um, but it's it's it is a challenge right now. It's it's a challenge not just for. Um, not just for the folks on the outside, you know, watching, you know, everything gets so nationalized. People are watching cable news and everything seems like it's a big fight. Right. Um, but also for the members on the inside, you know, right now they really need to figure out how to get something done. And uh, that's going to involve sitting down at the table with each other and, and actually working it out. For sure. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. And Startup Nation, I wanted to ask that because like, you know, look, you, you're, uh, you know, working in your businesses right now, many of you, and you have team members who come from all different walks of life they come from all different you know uh, type of diversities of thought uh if you will so I, I just think it's important whether it be about politics or or even the work that you do in your company uh that it, it's okay to agree to disagree from time to time and we can all be civil about that so marcy thank you for sharing that i appreciate that that's a good point <laughs> it's a really good point you make it's, it doesn't just happen in politics it happens. Right. In all, all facets of our life, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know what? I, I want to ask you this because you know I know one of the things that you are an advocate for uh, is you know, and I know you're there in Silicon Valley that you know tech should be uh, there to improve humanity, it should be to, for the benefit of humanity. Kind of talk about your doctrine and your belief when it comes to that, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Um, you know, I there there is there has been a, a long discussion about how to get people involved in tech that are not just the usual suspects. And I, I experienced this a lot when I, I first got out here and, and, you know, it is just the case that, you know, your, your typical um, tech founder fits a certain profile. And I think that that in the past has had a lot to do with the idea of startups and technology being a little bit tech for tech's sake. Mm. I find that when the conversation shifts to technology for a purpose, how do I solve this problem? How do I help these people? How do I make this thing work better? Then you have a lot of people who think, well, I can learn technology if that's going to be the tool that helps me solve this problem I care a lot about. Right. Uh, but it 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 is limiting when the the on ramp for technology is just someone who really 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 loves math and wants to study computer science. But if you can get the poli sci majors or the English majors or the sociology majors or whoever it happens to be uh, getting interested in tech because they want to solve a problem in their field, well now that's a completely different thing. Um, and and I know I I just jumped into pipeline issues and STEM issues and diversity issues all right. over the place. But I think that that, that question about whether um, tech is leveraged for quote unquote for good actually has a lot to do with who's at the table. Um, and I think, you know, it, it means bringing diverse um, experiences and perspectives to the table to, to even think about um, what, what what technology can be used for and and how we leverage that incredible tool. So I care about it a lot. I, I think it comes into play not just in in how the tech is built and what the tech is built for, but how it's financed and and things like that. So um, I think we've we've got a long way to go uh, to to get the models right to be able to encourage 
uh, more tech that is built uh, for public purpose and and for quote unquote good. For sure. um, but I, I I know that there are a lot of people who are interested in in threading that needle. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you uh, for sharing that. Now, Startup Nation, if Launch Tennessee. Uh, sounds familiar. It's because we had the president and CEO of Launch Tennessee on the show uh, a, a few uh, months back, Margaret Dolan, on the show. And one of the things we talked about, if you remember, was that, you know, basically Tennessee is open for business. Let, let's be honest about that. Uh, so I, I want to ask you. Uh, this Marcy, because we talked to Margaret, she had her perspective. And we also talked to uh, the business professor, Dr. Amy Cathy at the University of Tennessee of Knoxville. And she gave her perspective as well. And I want to ask you this, because you're actually, uh, you know, you're there in Silicon Valley. So you have a unique perspective. Kind of talk about, I guess, well, I guess it's a two part question. So forgive me. Uh, I guess one, talk about some of those, those uh, compare contrast between Silicon Valley doing business in Silicon Valley, California and in Tennessee. And kind of talk about why Tennessee uh, uh, is a great place to start a company. I came out, like you said, in, in 2010. Mm-hmm. And at, at that time, it still really was the case that in order to start a, a startup, you know, whatever what everybody thinks of as a startup, right. you kind of needed to be here. Um, it was just the beginning of things like venture capitalists writing blogs and telling you what they wanted to see in a pitch deck or uh, founders sharing their stories about how they were building their companies. And the, the, you know, it was just before books like the lean startup or uh, seven steps to the epiphany and, and other kind of tomes that have, have become uh, the ultimate everybody reads it books. It was before they were written and, and a whole lot of the, the startup culture existed in person out here. When I first, when I first got out here, I remember telling someone, it's like, everybody's got a business plan in their back pocket, including your barista at Starbucks, every, you know, just everywhere where you looked, someone was pitching or uh, there was a meetup or there was an event. And, um, you know, they, all of those things are, are on hold now due to COVID, but, but the, the kind of physical proximity was important for people who were both thinking about starting a business and needed to learn from others, but also those looking for financing or just kind of to know what was fresh and new and, and, um, what, what, uh, kind of understand how others were building businesses that I think began to, um, change. It hasn't necessarily changed, but to 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 be less limited over the past decade. Um, I saw this first, and you know, I had just come from Washington D.C. and a, a pretty active startup community was starting to be built in Washington D.C. And you know, it started with meetups and all the startups getting to know each other, and, and they would bring in speakers and and then a little angel community formed and they started investing. You know, so it just kind of grew from little seeds, and and that was was kind of when the early discussions about Launch Tennessee began. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the idea behind Launch Tennessee, which I think was so prescient and so forward thinking back in those times in the early days, was to begin to create an ecosystem in Tennessee where right. where that kind of um, uh, environment could could develop. And what I, as someone from rural Tennessee, from rural West Tennessee was so excited about is it was not just an effort that was focused on Nashville or Memphis or Knoxville or Chattanooga. There was actually a, a kind of intentional uh, ambition from the start 
to include rural areas and the various quote-unquote grand divisions of Tennessee in the plan for how to build a startup ecosystem. It was a statewide um, idea. And uh, so, you know, I, I could talk on and on for ages about how that's developed and the various pivots along the way. Uh, but I think that intentionality and the the community of people who cared about making a good environment for startups um, and investors in Tennessee coming together and and creating kind of a a starting point uh, was really important. And uh, what that has led to over the the past several years is each of these communities uh, that around you know. Uh, the, the Memphis ecosystem and the Nashville ecosystem and the West Tennessee ecosystem and Cookville and Knoxville and Chattanooga and all these places is um, a kind of, of hubs that have their own character and they have their own focus. But if you move to one of these areas, you can go find your people. Right. And so in, in the same way that I kind of felt that, that business and startups and learning and, and connecting and networking was everywhere when I first got to Silicon Valley, uh, it, it's hard to recreate that in a state as wide and big as, as Tennessee, That's but true. these, these, these nodes uh, provide entry points in, in the different areas. And I think it's a, a really interesting model that, that has resulted in bringing a lot of people together um, uh, for learning, investment, marketing, uh, hiring, et cetera. I, I know I'm, I'm excited about the prospects of, uh, of Tennessee, you know, and, 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 and growing the entrepreneurial spirit here. Uh, and it seems like a lot of businesses, you know, you know kind of funny that we're talking to you today, you know, it, it's funny because there, there's a few businesses who have left California to come to Tennessee, uh, you know, uh, which is kind of amazing and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. then, uh, it seems as if, uh, we, the residents of Tennessee have kind of embraced, uh, the business doctrine just based on our you know political affiliation aside uh you know based on the two past governors uh that mm-hmm. we've had you know you know our whole kind of business uh minded and stuff like that and startup nation uh speaking of launch tennessee uh coming up pretty soon is the 3686 uh entrepreneurship festival and you should go ahead and check that out and go ahead and log in uh and and register for that because it's going to be a fascinating uh, 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 group of speakers and, uh, and, and futurists and entrepreneurs and thought leaders uh, uh, about entrepreneurship, about the next phase and stuff like that. And so if you go to the link, uh, in the show notes, if you're listening to the replay on the podcast, you can go ahead and register for that, uh, right now. So thank you for sharing all of that, Marcy. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I appreciate you bringing up 3686. I, you know, it's, it's been a really interesting event over the years bringing together, you know, the, the best of Tennessee music and barbecue and people right. and things like that. So you, you can't do virtual barbecue, <laughs> right. but I think they're, they're doing a great job of really getting an impressive list of speakers and having it go for, for 10 days this year um, virtually in a way that I think provides an opportunity for the rest of the world to see uh, what Tennessee has to offer. Um, and, and so I, I, I'm really impressed with the way that they are, um, taking the challenge of putting on an event in the COVID era and, and really using it as an opportunity for innovation. I think it's, I think it's going to be a really a feather in the cap of, of Tennessee. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I actually wanted to ask you this and, and speaking of uh, 3686 and, and, and it being a virtual uh, conference this year, 
kind of walk me through that process because I mean, uh, there's a lot of things that are being, you know, uh, canceled, rescheduled, reconfigured, and stuff like that. You know, and as a board member of Launch Tennessee and looking at this, kind of walk me through the thought process of, you know, uh, going this route. Uh, of making it virtual and stuff like that. Just kind of walk me through that decision process. Cause I think there's a lot of startup founders uh, who can kind of get some value from what you guys had to look at, what you had to assess, what you had to decide and all those matters. <laughs> well, I have to say as a board member, my role in this is really to just be very impressed with, with the, okay. uh, the way that the staff has handled it because uh, we, don't, we don't come up with the good ideas. We just, we just get to hear about them. But I, I, you know, we did have a discussion. Um, it just, I think as they were at the decision point and kind of absorbing the fact that, that uh, a physical uh, event was not going to be possible. And, um, we we did discuss at a meta level what an opportunity it was to invite people to um, to see what Tennessee has to offer, but also to present Tennessee in a way that was not just um, just Nashville focused, to be quite frank. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I remember saying I'd love to see uh, a panel on the banks of the Mississippi and a panel in the mountains. And, you know, just uh, right. We you know, there's there's a lot. Uh, there that doesn't always get shared when you're in a conference room anywhere. Uh, so I I think we we had a discussion about the you know the the really rich and varied um, both tech and entrepreneurial environment that that Tennessee provides, whether right. it's Oak Ridge National Laboratory or you know the the music industry, the healthcare industry, et cetera. Uh, so there's a lot there. Uh, I was just looking through the program and. What I'm impressed with that I think they've really incorporated well into the program is um, responding to how the world is changing with COVID. Right. And, and uh, you know, a lot of these panels are about how businesses changed what they were doing Absolutely. to respond to the need or, you know, different ways of working, different product needs, different supply chain issues, et cetera. And I think being able to hear from founders that were making those decisions or even from government officials that were um, dealing with the problems, you know, that continue to, to um, come at them. I think this is, it just, it feels very, very relevant. And I I'm impressed with the the program and the breadth of the coverage. Um, They have several tracks. So, uh, you know, entertainment is not the same as as healthcare, et cetera. But I think there's also uh, some kind of cross cutting uh, themes that are emerging uh, in the the agility of being able to respond to the moment. Gotcha. That I think is going to be really helpful in the in the program. Absolutely, absolutely. I agree with you uh, as well, Marcy. Thank you for sharing. All right, Startup Nation. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson, and you're listening to the Startup Life. This episode of The Startup Life is sponsored by SaveTheChildren.org. Startup Nation, Save the Children believes every child deserves a future. In the United States and around the world, 
They work every day to give children a healthy start in life, the opportunity to learn, and protection from harm. They deliver lasting results for millions of children, including those hardest to reach. They do whatever it takes for children every day and in times of crisis transforming their lives and the future we share. Startup Nation, right now, the coronavirus is the biggest global health crisis in our lifetime. It threatens children in every way. COVID-19 has already left many children without caregivers, out of school, and exposed to violence and exploitation. Child poverty is rising. With your support, we can help children in unsafe households and help support distance learning in the face of school closures. Here are some ways your support can make a difference. For just $5, you can buy a baby's first book, providing comfort and inspiring lifelong learning. And for $25, you can serve a nutritious breakfast and lunch to five out-of-school children in need. And there's many other ways you can help support Startup Nation. So go to savethechildren.org slash savekids or www.savethechildren.org forward slash savekids. So if you're ready to make a difference, Startup Nation, remember, savethechildren.org. Make the change for children. The Startup Life is powered by Ladder. Startup Nation, as an entrepreneur, you are the engine that powers your business. We have had many entrepreneurs on the show, from those that played Division II basketball, quite a few Ironman participants, and even an NFL quarterback. And the one thing they all have in common is that they know getting early morning workout wins leads to business success for the day. However, it's super important what fuel you use for your workout to get that early morning success. And that's where Ladder comes in. Ladder is a sports nutrition company founded by LeBron James and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Unlike other supplements, every batch is tested by a third party that is trusted by all major professional sports organizations, including the NBA, NFL, MLB, and more to verify the highest standards for quality, but more importantly, safety. Ladder's goal is to help you unlock your best in any situation. Right now, that means access to special offers and expert advice from their community. Personally, I like superfood greens. Not only does it include the most essential nutrients that are hard to get in your diet, like magnesium, zinc, B vitamins, and vitamin D, they also included the Rodelio root, which helps keep you healthier when stress is high, but also it helps support immunity according to many studies. Use code BETTEREVERYDAY for 30% off everything site-wide at ladder.sport. That's BETTEREVERYDAY for 30% off at ladder.sport. So maybe you're not trying to be a four-time league MVP or a seven-time Mr. Olympia, but you still need the tools to elevate your health that elevates your business. So go with Ladder and prepare to get better every day. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. Now, once again, Startup Nation, we're talking to Marcy Harris, the co-founder and CEO of PopVox. So, you know, kind of walk me through the early days of PopVox, like maybe before, <laughs> right before launch and the idea and then launch day. Kind of talk about that a little bit. Gosh, it's 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 been a long time. Right. Uh, so I'm happy to talk about about the early days. I uh, sure. just want to acknowledge that it's, it's been a while. So it's all good. Uh, and and I definitely back then had the the great advantage of not knowing how much I didn't know. Mm. And so it it really started out uh, as an idea to solve my problem as a congressional staffer, which was when it was time for me to make a recommendation to my boss. Uh, there were basically three questions I needed to answer, which were, 
who's on it. So uh, for this initiative, who are the co-sponsors, who are the other members of Congress who are supporting it? Because, you know, these these members tend to travel in packs and they know if if this one supports it, they usually are aligned. And if this one supports it, they frequently are not. Um, so who's on it? Uh, where are the groups? So the, the advocacy organizations or business organizations, what I usually call American Association of Absolutely Anything out there, uh, you know, most members align with uh, a kind of you know, whether it's environmental groups or business groups or labor groups, et cetera. If you know where they stand on the initiative, usually, again, you you're kind of helps you get your bearings. And then the third question that uh, that we always considered was, are we hearing about it from the district? Are constituents calling and writing in about this issue? And so the original idea behind Popbox was to answer those three questions in a tech platform. And so I recruited co-founders, including a technical co-founder, and we started, you know, the the process that every new business goes through, you know, what are we going to call ourselves and can we get the URL and how's this going to work? And and I had the, uh, really the the fortune to meet uh, uh, a longtime entrepreneur and investor named Tim O'Reilly when he was coming to Capitol Hill. Um, you may be familiar with his name. He, uh, his company uh, runs the Web 2.0 conferences and, right. and is O'Reilly Media. So all the little books with the uh, the animals on them that the various coding languages right. training and things like that. Uh, and shared the concept with him, and he was very very supportive and basically said, "Okay, you know, if you decide to do this, let me know." Uh, and a, a few months later. Uh, when I had gotten to the point uh, as a congressional staffer that uh, I, you know, you have ethics limitations on what you can do as an outside activity when you're a staffer. So uh, as I was going to start looking for investment and actually taking this on as a real project, I needed to leave my job working uh, for the government. And so um, I, I jumped in the pool (laughs) uh, figuratively and, and, uh, and decided my boyfriend was uh, living out here. And so I, I moved out to California and mm-hmm. called up Tim and said, you said for me to call you when I was ready to do this, I'm ready. And and at that point, things kind of, uh, it, it kind of kicked off a flywheel. You know, I, I pitched to him. He suggested I talk to his BC fund. That was the first BC fund I ever pitched. And that was very instructive. And he came on as an angel investor and made other recommendations of people for us to talk to. And then again, and this 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 kind of was the benefit of of being in a uh, fertile startup environment to have events and trainings and mentors to uh, learn from. We entered a program uh, from a uh, called a Luxor um, a training on on lean methods and and kind of accelerator for taking an idea from concept to implementation. So that was a six week program that really whipped our team into shape and and helped us establish processes that that continue to this day. Um, but it, you know, just, I think everything that I've just described makes it seem as if the, uh, path was smooth and I, I wouldn't want to leave that impression. (laughs) I think that (laughs) the, the path is deciding to take one step and then to take the next and then to take the next, even though, you know, two steps behind, you have no idea what the road's going to look like. And, and I think often when I talk to people who are thinking about starting something, um, they they want to hear 
advice about how everything just, you know, unfolded in a very predictable way. And of course, that's absolutely never the case and nor should anyone expect it to be. If you feel like you don't know what you're doing and what the next step is, um, you're, you're probably doing just fine. For sure. For sure. And, and I can tell you, Marcy, that we, we've uh, been doing this for a while. We've had many in Startup Nation to kind of hear a lot of different stories. And I can assure you, I don't think anybody just would have just assumed that it was like very smooth or anything uh, like that for sure. So no, you don't have to worry about that uh, at all. But I do want to ask you, uh, about this because you know you, you talked about pitching to a VC and uh, that's not something that uh, a lot of startup founders especially you know a lot of them uh, that are, that are not in the valley like you are have an experience with kind of talk about that experience a little bit well and I actually should caveat that by saying that we ended up um, uh, not taking VC funds gotcha, uh, over, gotcha. uh, on, on purpose um, okay I think and this this ties in a lot to your question initially about um, tech for good. So when we were first starting out, we thought we were a very conventional startup. Uh, and the more I learned about startup financing and models and and financing, the more I realized that at least for us as a, a civic startup, the the VC model was not the best for us because the VC model basically puts you on a fast train to an exit of some sort, whether you're going to sell the company or go public or, um, uh, and for uh, a civic startup, which, which we are, the, uh, the growth is much slower and intentional and you, you make decisions in, in some cases based on civic mission, as opposed to um, whether you're going to get bought by Google or, or something like that. So, right. Uh, but but the VC process was extremely instructive and, and uh, ended up meeting a lot of uh, really smart and and um, uh, innovative people. For us, so so yes, we did have that first pitch with with Tim's VC, which was you know it was nice to have a friendly uh, friendly face on the other side of the table when right. you're, you're doing your first. It still doesn't mean I knew at all what I was doing, um, but we ended up entering the startup competition competition uh you mentioned this in the intro at south by southwest in 2011 and this was back when or maybe it was 2012 this was back when south by southwest startup competition was a really big deal twitter had won a few years before and that right. had launched them into the stratosphere so that was it was a really big deal to be there and and also winning was you know was a really big deal not, not money. I think we won four thousand dollars, and we really needed it at the time. But but what it I know that feeling. And, <laughs> it it um it also put us on the radar. So we got a lot of meetings from investors out here. The it's called you know Sand Hill Road is the road where all the the VCs have their offices. And so I I did a lot of pitching, and that process of distilling your concept down into a very concise slide deck that is constantly evolving. So as soon as you give a presentation, you get questions and you think, oh goodness, I need to adjust that and explain that better and make this look better. Um, but having that slide deck that is basically the the externalization of what's happening in your brain about your concept is really, really healthy. And taking that uh, out and getting on, you know, kind of constant questions and feedback and refinement on it is a really uh, 
rigorous process that I think helps you think through the concept again, even if the ultimate result is, is that you don't end up taking the, the financing, which again, as, as we got to the point where we had a few offers, I realized that the, the structure of that financing didn't make um, sense for at least the way that we plan to offer, operate as a, a civic startup. But um you know, there have also been quite a few changes since that time in ideas about how startups are financed or or operated. And, and that includes, I think, um, some uh, more Tennessee-like uh, approaches, I would say. So okay. a few years ago, a new fund came out um, and, and I knew that actually Tim was involved in, in this fund as well called NDVC. And they had a radical concept, which mm-hmm. is that uh, companies should be started with the goal of uh, of uh, generating revenue <laughs> from the very sense. beginning, and and that was just it was you know this crazy innovative concept out here because you know for so many years uh, startups have been focused on raising enormous uh, chunks of investment and and right. really just blowing through it to. Uh, juice their numbers and and move towards acquisition. So, I think there having one foot in Tennessee and one foot in California has always been super helpful for us because um, it it kept kept us kind of grounded. And I think there is still an approach to both financing and building businesses in Tennessee that is less focused not not in all cases but less focused on financing as the the end goal and exit as the end goal and more building the business and and um, sustaining the company gotcha thank you for sharing that you know uh, you know I, and i definitely appreciate that because you know, I mean, first of all, we don't mind hard work in Tennessee. I mean, and, and I would think that, you know, if you're, if you're going to start a business or a company, you would think you would want to uh, generate revenue. So that kind of fun uh, makes sense to me. It actually reminds me because uh, we, we back in March, we talked to um, Mark Randolph, the co-founder of Netflix, and he talked about how uh, starting a company uh, back in 97 and starting a company now are, are, are drastically different. And one mm-hmm. of those reasons is because like now it's a lot easier to create a proof of concept to kind of start generating that revenue almost instantly mm-hmm. as opposed to when it was in 1997. And so he's saying like that a lot of uh, the idea of like people getting funding and stuff like that. Uh, has to come with this thing about generating revenue and uh, and not just like you said juicing numbers. So I definitely understand what you're where you're coming from, and I definitely appreciate you kind of uh, sharing that story as well. Yeah, uh, well, and 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 yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, there is a a tradition of entrepreneurship in Tennessee that uh, that I think you know launched and seen other initiatives are building on now but certainly i don't think that that there is any reason at all that that uh anyone should think that that approach is is not the right one i think in in um i think it's being borne out that it is it is a very important way to look at building a business one of the things that i you know it's kind of like that old Reese's peanut butter cup commercial where it's like you got your chocolate in my peanut butter and vice versa i think (laughs) there's there are good things to take from the Silicon Valley model and there are wonderful things to take from the more traditional kind of um, uh, middle of the country model. Absolutely. And the combination of the two is really good. Absolutely. So, um, 
Launch Institute used to have this program uh, a few years ago called the Ten, where it would um, there was kind of a competition of companies from Tennessee, and and ten would be selected, and they would go through this training program, and then come out to Silicon Valley to pitch and to talk to people and to learn. And one of the good things I think about that program was that. Um, there was a real focus on how to help folks coming from Tennessee think bigger and bigger and bigger about their idea. And it mm. was, and, and so like make it, make it to the scale that people are pitching in the Valley, which is great because uh, I think that that emphasis on thinking, how big could this be? What would this look like if it went worldwide? Like how, what's the blow out the windows vision of this thing? Right. Because, you know, let's face it, our, our culture in Tennessee is a little bit more modest. We think, right. okay, I'm, you know, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other and I'm going to make this work. And, and so, you know, having someone push you to think, what's the biggest this could be mm. is a really important It absolutely um, is thing but then also i would say and this is this was especially true for me being in the midst of all this big thinking and exaggeration and hyperbole and everything's got more zeros than you could ever imagine and, <laughs> right you know everybody's going to tell you how they're absolutely the greatest and they're revolutionizing this and that and whatever really very important to have a grounded conversation about um you know fundamentals and and what your actual goal is and how you get things done. So I, I just think that the, the combination is a, is a really healthy one. I, de I definitely 100% agree with that. And that's something we always talk about a lot, startup nation is that, you know, finding that balance, finding that balance is super uh, important. So I appreciate you sharing that. And I'm not, trust me, I, I am not knocking the Valley at all because like you said, you need to have those conversations of, you know, just how big it is, you know, because imagine, uh, imagination and the innovation and that creativity is super important, uh, in the entrepreneurial process, even though, you know, like I said, you do have to put the, uh, the, the, you eventually got to put, uh, the ideas to work. Right. And I think that's where, uh, we kind of really do excel here in Tennessee in that regard, but mm -hmm. we do need to definitely uh, think big uh, uh, and, and really uh, optimize the work that we, you know, want to do in our companies and stuff like that. So I appreciate you sharing mm -hmm. all that, Marcy. Well, and I, you know, I think we're COVID in this weird way might get us to the sweet spot on some of that. I can uh, see that. Yeah. You know, we've we've been locked down here in California for about four months now. I mean, it is it is just an extreme. You know, closure. California has been one of the hot spots. Right. And work from home is now absolutely accepted as something that's going to be happening long term. I mean, there's not even traffic on the one on one anymore. Right. People are working differently. Uh, Google just extended their work from home um, uh, policy through the summer of 2021. People are moving out of this area because it costs too much, the traffic's too high, <laughs> quite frankly, the internet connect connectivity is not that good. Right. You know, there's there's lots of reasons that now that you can work from anywhere and connect with anyone and you know hold meetings virtually from anywhere, that it's possible to look at lots of different places. So that's where I really think that, you know, Tennessee with its low cost of living and no income tax and wonderful fiber to the home in lots of places and developing entrepreneurial ecosystem and really nice, smart people, you know, that, that there's so much there 
that um, is is really a, a wonderful place for people from all over the the country and the world to to go and start businesses and work together, or you know, for employees who are working at big companies like Google and Facebook and others to relocate to Tennessee and and you know have have the experience of a house with you know a little bit more room to to move around right. than you know the apartment that it costs bazillions of dollars to buy in this oh, area yeah. <laughs> and you know it, it, but but perhaps um that mobility and the ability for people um working on these kinds of companies to live anywhere gets us to a place where we can have even more of that cross-pollinization of the different ways of approaching things Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. You know, and, and I want to ask you this, but because I, I have friends who uh, are here in Tennessee uh, and, and they say, you know, I, you know, I have this tech idea and this and the other, but I got to move to the valley. I got to move to the valley. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I, I, I love the valley. You know, you know, a lot of great innovations. I, I you know, you cannot deny that a lot of amazing innovations have come out of Silicon Valley. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Sure. For sure. Uh, but I, I think sometimes we have this idea that like we have to be uh, in a certain place, like you have to be in that place in order to be successful. And you kind of talked about this uh, with the remote work and ro- working from anywhere and stuff like that. But I want to ask you this, because I, I hear all the time that it's 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 pretty savage, for lack of a better phrase, out there in Silicon Valley doing business and and, and competing with one another. Kind of talk about the, you know, from your vantage point, kind of talk about a little bit about uh, just how competitive it is in Silicon Valley. That's an interesting question. I, I might have had more insight on that a, a few years ago. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I don't, I think you know, part of our journey has been realizing how much we weren't a traditional Silicon Valley company and how much we didn't really need to be in that same um, game. I mean, certainly I'm still in the area and, and, and interacting with folks in the industry, but, but that was, that was part of the lesson was realizing that a lot of the, the pressure and the competition that you're describing, which is is certainly very real, was not as important as it seemed. And it's funny now, after being here for 10 years, I feel like I've witnessed three or four generations of companies come and go. Like the, the companies that were like, you know, leading articles in TechCrunch and presenting at Disrupt and, you know, they were everywhere and their offices were big. And then all of a sudden one day they're gone. And, you know, some of them are quote unquote acquired, but, you know, you you start to learn that that actually means nobody actually got paid except the VCs maybe. And, you know, there's like, you kind of realize that a whole lot of that competition and hype and, and is, in many cases, not backed up with a whole lot of substance. Mm, and gotcha. so seeing so many come and go, and not, not all by any of course stretch, not. but of a, course whole not. Right. No. <laughs> a whole lot. A whole lot. Oh, for sure. Because we, 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 so, we hear those stories all the time yeah. coming out of the valley. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, wanted, not you know, at all. No, go ahead. Yeah. It's, it, it, so, you know, it, I know now I sound like the, the old woman sitting on the porch, but, <laughs> you know, just – Oh, they come and go. You know, it, it never right. was as as you know. All that stuff was never as important as as it seemed. And and so, um, I think the the people who do best in the midst of all of that are the ones who don't get too wrapped up in it. 
For sure, for sure. I, I, you know, and this goes back to what you were saying earlier, having that 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 duality, that balance between uh, big ideas and 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 uh, you know doing the work and one foot in front of the other. That modesty, if you will, is super important. Because look, you know, we talk to startup founders a lot of times, all the time. Like you know, we get invited to like panel discussions and stuff like that. And people, you know, you have those one-on-one conversations like, oh, I got to have an office space and I got to put a ping pong table over here and I got to have mm-hmm. my name and lights over here. And it's like, none of that is revenue generating activities. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, and so I, I, I understand exactly uh, what you mean. And we actually had, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, uh, Jay Myers. He was a, 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 a had a, a ISI here in Memphis, Tennessee, and big in telemedicine and stuff like that. Uh, and he he's made the the uh, the uh, uh, Inc. 5000 list a couple of times, mm-hmm. seven times, right? And he talked about mm-hmm. the first time he was on it. The number one company that was there is no longer in business. You know, so yeah. it, so yeah. it goes to what you were saying is like you know, it's literally sometimes. Uh, here one day and gone tomorrow. So uh, I really hope you caught all that startup nation because, you know, I, I think you know, what Marcy talks about that, that, that duality, that thinking big, but also that modesty is just uh, super important, especially in this day and age of entrepreneurship. Well, and, and just to add to that, I think, sure. you know, as, as you were talking about friends and others who have ideas and are, are looking to get started, one of the I think disservices that's been done in the past for people with an idea that could become a startup is this pressure to raise money as a first step. That's true. And or to see raising money as the as the goal or right. the milestone. And I I I definitely understand the the pressure and the need to do that, but in so many ways and and to your point that you, that you were making earlier that it's so so much easier now to build a prototype or to um, get some kind of uh, proof of concept, of, right? Proof of concept out there exactly. That that focusing on building instead of raising mm. is in so many ways uh the the better way to go and then and you know of course it makes it easier to raise down the road too if that's where you're headed and sometimes you don't need to do that uh if if the building goes well and that's you know that's easier said than done because of course if you're balancing another job or you're balancing uh, other obligations, it's it's tough to do that, but um, it's just it kind of it kind of back to that balancing. The the goal is to build a business. The goal is not to raise money. Raising money may be necessary as a part of building a business, but that's not how success should be determined. Oh, that's a that's a quotable right there, Startup Nation. Focus on building, except raising. I appreciate you sharing that. That's a that's a that's a quotable. That's that's a hot take right there. I appreciate you sharing <laughs> that for sure. Once again, Startup Nation, we're wrapping up uh, with Marcy Harris, co-founder and CEO of PopVox. So. Uh, Marcy, I want to ask you this. What's your entrepreneurial superpower and why? Learning to listen to my gut. Uh, And and that I I would, you know, again, when we first started out, we read everything we could get our hands on and tried so hard to act like we thought the real startups acted. Right. And what what we realized is, you know, many, many hard, hard one lesson is that listening to our gut and doing exactly what felt right was actually the the right way to go. So even, you know, 
you can listen to lots of smart people who have great examples of things that worked for them, but ultimately figuring out what, what works for you is the, the way to go. For sure. For sure. Thank you for, for sharing that. And before I ask the last question, I just want to say thank you so much for uh, coming on the show, Marcy. We really appreciate your time. Startup Nation, uh, go to popvox.com to check out uh, Marcy uh, and her uh, her amazing uh, company and her team and, and, and everything in between. And also there in the show notes, uh, make sure you register for the 3686 uh, Entrepreneurship Festival. Once again, if you listen to the replay on the podcast, we have a link there in the show notes for easy access. And Marcy, I'm actually just going to turn the microphone over to you because we're living in some some strange times, like you said earlier. And so we can use a little bit of encouragement and because, you know, there's there's a lot of doom and gloom out there. If you would give some words of encouragement to take us out for today, if you don't mind, please, ma'am. Well, I appreciate that. And it's such a pleasure to talk to you. I really appreciate that that you bring these voices together and help people find out what's happening uh, uh, across the state and in innovation in Tennessee. I, I do think there's going to be a lot of wisdom shared at 3686. And so I would encourage everybody mm-hmm. to sign up there on the uh, question of, of how we look at things right now. Uh, I, I do think that what is interesting about these strange days is that it is showing us that status quo is not an option. It is showing us that um, innovation and doing things differently are really the only way forward because nothing's going to be the same as it was before. So there's a lot of folks who are fighting that, and it's it will continue to be difficult as they uh, cope with the fact that things have changed so significantly and will be so changed when we come out on the other side of this, whatever that happens to be. But for those who can... Uh, see change as an opportunity and think about what kind of world we want to build on the other side of this and what kind of products are going to be needed and services and and how people are going to interact with each other um, on, the, on the other side of this and build businesses. Um, there's a lot of opportunity there. Uh, not, not just opportunity, I think, uh, in, a, in a financial sense, but opportunity to really do things better and and to your point to leverage technology for good so i just really appreciate the opportunity for uh having this discussion today and i look forward to to staying in touch and to hearing from some of your listeners down the road and perhaps connecting at 3686 absolutely absolutely i look forward to all of that for sure and once again startup nation that's going to wrap up this session of the startup life we want to thank marcy harris for coming on the show thank you so much marcy Oh, it's an honor. Thanks again. Take care. Always. And as always, Startup Nation, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new Startup Blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, If you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.